Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Goins from the Reimagined Schools podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Um, this might be kind of like a stretch. I've done a lot of work with horses and things like training and whatnot. And I, I attribute a lot of like the things that I work through with them, with the students, because it's like, like an analogy of like, that's a 1200 pound animal that they don't have to do anything that you want it to. You develop a relationship to get it to do all of these things that nature tells it not to do basically. Mm-hmm. And I see that oh, in so hard. many of the times with the kids, you can't make them do anything, but you can create situations where they're more apt to feel comfortable to try or more comfortable to put themselves out there. Like it's how you create that environment to foster that. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hello, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. My name's Amber Harper, and this is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. Last month, the focus of the Burned In Teacher podcast episodes was my or my student's trauma in the classroom is burning me out. And I've gotten fantastic feedback. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and your takeaways from last month's episodes. So feel free to email me at support at burnedinteacher.com or put out on social media a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me at Burned In Teacher and share your favorite takeaways from your favorite episodes about how to deal with trauma in the classroom and trauma in your own life. Also, if you aren't aware, I actually have a YouTube channel. So if you go to bit.ly slash burned in YouTube, you'll have access to all of the videos that I've created, a lot of them really going deeper into the themes of the month all in an effort to help you to have access to all of the information that I'm sharing and the amazing advice, support, tips, tricks, resources that guests on the show are offering to you every time that I have someone new on the podcast. So go to bit.ly slash burned in YouTube to check out any of the videos. So we are now in a new month and therefore it means we are now onto a new theme on the Burned In Teacher podcast. So this month we're going to focus on a topic that gets brought up a lot in the Burned In Teacher Facebook group and as a result of a survey that I sent out to my Burned In Teacher subscribers and my Facebook group, this is one of the number one reasons that teachers are struggling or stressing about their days at work in the classroom and that is classroom management and behavior of the students in their classes. And we're going to start this month's theme with an interview that I did with two teachers from my Burned In Teacher Facebook group. And if you haven't joined yet, I really am going to encourage you to do so. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash Burned In Teacher because every month I'm sending out an invite for teachers to stand up and tell their stories on the Burned In Teacher podcast so that we can find experts and advice and resources and research to help to support you through your struggles in your classroom and your burnout. Today on the 
the podcast, I have Sarah Kaminsky and Alexandra Cotelet. And please, Alexandra, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Sarah is a sixth grade English language arts teacher at a middle school in central Wisconsin where she lives with her husband and two young children. Sarah has been teaching in her current district for five years and has been a part of the district initiatives that include personalized learning, writer's workshop, and UDL. She's currently working on obtaining her ELL certification to continue with her passion of understanding inclusionary practices in the classroom. Alexandra is an ESL specialist who has been teaching for over 15 years. She teaches at a high school level in Quebec, Canada, and she has authored and co-authored many educational publications that are currently being used in Quebec schools and is very active in her English as a second language community. She's currently completing a degree in educational technology and is always working on ways to integrate technology in her classroom. What I love about this interview is that although they're teaching different grade levels and even in different countries, They are both so relatable and both have very similar viewpoints on what effective classroom management, behavior management, and effective relationships between teachers and students should look like when trying to create a culture of support in the school and the classroom. This interview is packed full of strategies, resources, and experiences that have to do with supporting students who are struggling with their behavior in school. As you heard at the beginning of this episode, we even get into relating students and humans to horses. So let's jump into this interview. Just a quick side note, I noticed too late that my microphone was in fact not on during the interview, so please bear with my side of the conversation. Ladies, thank you so much for joining the Burned In Teacher podcast today. This is the first time that I've interviewed two Burned In Teacher Facebook group members at the same time. So I'm so glad you're here. Excited to be here. I'm so glad. So we have Alexandra with us and Sarah, and they are Burned In Teacher Facebook group members. And today we're going to talk about classroom management. So they're going to be sharing their experiences as educators and struggles that they've had, maybe some successes as well and resources or ideas or practices that they brought into their classroom and into their teaching lives that have helped them to really help their students to grow as classroom members and as students. So Alexandra, why don't you tell, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about, you know, where you are in the world and what it is that you do? Um, Hi, my name is Alexandra. I'm an English second language teacher. So I teach in Quebec, uh, Canada. In Quebec, the, the, our students, the majority of our students are French as speakers. So English is their second language. Uh, I teach, I'm about 45 minutes from Montreal. So I'm in the suburbs. Uh, students don't have a lot of access to English. So English classes are usually the only place where they hear some English. And for the last couple of years, I've also been teaching a, a special technology class where we, we take a look at coding and programming and robotics and all of that. So a whole lot of fun. So do you teach that in English as well? I do. So I teach both. So uh, my students are about from, I'd say from 12 to 15, because we have a different uh, uh, grading system. They would be the equivalent of grade seven to grade nine, I would say in the United States. Hey, interesting. So Sarah, tell us a little about yourself. Um, I'm a sixth grade um, ELA teacher. So um, I teach like English, like the writing side, and then also the um, like the reading aspect of it. So this is my just doing reading with English. Traditionally, I've just done um, just the English side. Um, and I teach in a middle school, central Wisconsin, so a little bit 
it's nice to talk to somebody who's way north of me for once. <laughs> Do you always feel like you're normally um, the northernmost person in all of the conversations? Yeah, it's usually we're the coldest and everything else. So it's nice to know that there's somebody that's <laughs> a little bit worse. <laughs> um, but I've been in my district for about um, five years now. So um, we, I, we have our middle school divided into houses. Mm -hmm. So traditionally our houses are like 130 students, but I'm on a mini house. So I have um, like about 55 students this year. So, wow. So ladies, let's just jump right in. So with your different experiences with these, with, with students that are English language learners and middle schoolers, um, we call them here in the States. So what is it that is classroom management to you? What is classroom management or behavior management? What do you call it and what does it mean to you? Alexandra, would you mind starting? Uh, sure. Well, I guess classroom management can be different things. It can be your classroom routines and how you set up your class so it functions properly. Mm -hmm. But it also has a lot to do when I hear classroom management, especially usually it comes with the word issues. Um, it usually means discipline and, you know, managing the behavior of your students. I don't think that's the only thing because I think when you set it up, your routines, your planning is done correctly. It, it's all part of the management, but usually we associate it with behavior management um, mostly. Mm -hmm. And you call it classroom management in Canada? Yes, we do. Um, I also um, uh, supervise uh, future teachers in university uh, and we that that's the number one thing they want to learn about is how to manage their classroom. They spend a lot of time in university teaching them how to write the perfect lesson plan and how to evaluate and all of that. But what you really need to learn is that classroom management, but that's something that you learn once you're in the classroom, I think. It's kind of tough to learn on paper. Yeah, for sure. Do they have any experiences with students before they graduate from university? They do. In Quebec, they get like four what we call internships. So they're unpaid internships where they follow a teacher. So they usually joined in with a teacher and they spend like a few weeks. The last two internships are usually six to eight weeks okay. where they're in the classroom and they get to learn, you know, how to really do the classroom. Management. Yeah, right, right. That's what similar to what we call student teaching. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So Sarah, how about you? What does classroom management mean to you? Um, I think that that term has definitely been evolving. I'm thinking about the last podcast that I listened to of yours actually about the co-regulating with students. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, I think that traditionally I would have thought that it's a lot of like what, um, like what was said, it's like managing like the behaviors and the issues and those sorts of things, but reflecting on it now, I think it has a lot more to do about like classroom environment you know, like, um, it's the routines, how you make the students feel, how we kind of feel together, um, to create like a, a compassionate learning environment for everybody. So how do you do that? You know, Alexandra, you just said, you know, you can't teach classroom management on paper, but yet we're, we are having teachers go right out of university or college into classrooms, not feeling that they really know how to appropriately manage a classroom so what is it that to you if you were to walk into a classroom what does it look like what does it sound like what does it feel like um help us to understand what you think 
a, an appropriate classroom management or a classroom culture would, would look like under a good system? Well, I think as long as the students are happy and feel welcome in the classroom, I don't care if the lesson went completely wrong, I think the classroom management is good. Um, too often we think a teacher has good classroom management skills because the class is quiet and you know they're all listening when the teacher is speaking and the reason why I said it cannot be taught on paper it's because we're, we're not teaching on paper we're teaching little humans mm -hmm. and even for example I have four groups of grade nine the four groups are completely different even if I plan the same lesson and everything is good on paper, it will not be the same with group 31 than it will be with group 36. And one group, I might need to review some things more. Some groups, I might need to, you know, support them a little bit more. Uh, and other groups, I'll need to stimulate them a little bit more and get them motivated more. So that's why I'm saying it cannot be taught on paper. And the feel is when you have that teacher in front of the classroom that seems to know the group and can adapt to that group, I think that's when you know and you see classroom management in action. That's a great example. What about you, Sarah? Um, like, I definitely agree with that. Like, it's hard, it's hard to like make um, some of those decisions without knowing your kids. Like we were talking about um, planning for next year and things and, um, you know, it's some of the management, I guess you could say is about having proactive behaviors. Like you're knowing, like you need to establish those relationships with kids. Um, so you know where they're going to struggle. If you know, if they need audio support or sentence stems or fidgets or whatever else, like it's kind of knowing the kids and then being proactive with that and kind of meeting them where they're at instead of reacting to behaviors. Because then when we start reacting to behaviors, like it kind of, like students then react and it creates this chain where it's a negative feel for everybody. And then you don't have that learning, um, compassionate environment that you're, that you're striving for. So, um, I'm thinking of like the books and things that I've read when I was trying to like improve my management and it, it helped, but then it, it didn't in the sense of like, I didn't know the kids and it wasn't until I really knew the kids that I could be successful with that and meet them where they're at. And then they see successes. This episode is brought to you by the Renew, Recharge, and Reignite Teacher Wellness Retreat that my good friend Kim Strobel and I are co-hosting together. This two-day retreat is your chance to step outside of the classroom and step back into your life. You'll learn tips, tricks, and techniques for injecting happiness back into your teaching practice and your personal life. You'll leave burnout behind and walk away renewed, recharged, and reignited with courage and confidence to face next year's challenges. You'll learn five happiness habits to increase personal and professional positivity, methods for fostering relationships with students and coworkers, how to accept your past journey and make plans for changing your future path, and ways to rebrand yourself as an educator and human being, and much, much more. It will be held June 10th and 11th in Nashville, Indiana, a beautiful and quaint town in central Indiana. And I have to tell you, seats are limited, so don't wait to register. Go to bit.ly slash teacher retreat or burnedinteacher.com slash retreat to learn more today. I love that you brought up reading books about classroom management because it's, you know, our students are not characters in a book. 
You know, it always makes right. me laugh whenever I would be um, teaching or reading through curriculum and it would have basically a script of you say this and here's what they're going to say in red. Yeah, those are the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, those are exactly what my kids are going to say. <laughs> and I laugh because I'm thinking this student here in particular, I will not name names, is not going to say that they're going to say this and I you can you know them you know yeah. you you know them so the other thing that you said that's interesting to me is that that you were listening to that episode Dr. Desitel's changed my mind on so many things I got to see her speak uh, last summer and she blew my mind. I just, I wanted to sit in the room with her all day and just soak up everything that she was saying. And I thought to myself, every single school needs to have this woman come in and speak to them. And then to have her on the podcast was so incredible because she laid so many things out, you know, item by item, act, act by act of what you can do with students to help co-regulate. And she really challenged me to not even, and she didn't, she didn't say that we had to do this, but she challenged me to not use the word classroom management. And that word that you brought into the conversation, co-regulation, just really resonated with me. Um, did both of you listen to that episode? No, I didn't, but now I want to. It was amazing. <laughs> I just, I it was really to... good. It was really <laughs> eye-opening. So I was just curious then what, what your takeaways were from that. The, that big part of just like co-regulating and her statement of like, you can't manage anybody. Like you can't make anybody do anything. And um, this might be kind of like a stretch. I've done a lot of work with horses and things like training and whatnot. And I, I attribute a lot of like the things that I've worked through with them, with the students, because it's like, like an analogy of like, that's a 1200 pound animal that they don't have to do anything that you want it to. You develop a relationship to get it to do all of these things that nature tells it not to do basically. And I see that in so many of the times with the kids, you can't make them do anything, but you can create situations where they're more apt to feel comfortable to try or more comfortable to put themselves out there. Like it's how you create that environment to foster that, to kind of steer them in the direction to making the right choice because you essentially can't mm -hmm. get them to, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to grow up with horses myself and there's that whole oh. no like and trust factor. If they don't know you, they don't like you, they don't trust you, a horse will not try to please you. It will not do what you want it to do. In fact, it will sometimes go out of its way to spite you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and humans are really no different. <laughs> no. And that's like when uh, we'll have conversations with the kids and it's like, oh, here's Mrs. Kaminsky on her horse analogy. Guys. But it, makes, <laughs> it makes so much sense. Like, you know, um, like, I mean, they're not similar in the sense of like animals and kids, not at all, but like in their behaviors and things. And even the, the idea that like, um, not all the kids are the same, but you can start seeing patterns and behaviors that you can start being proactive about to um, kind of eliminate those things before they happen, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great lead into my next question. So when have you struggled with classroom management in the past? Um, can you share a time when that's been a struggle for you and maybe what you did about it? 
I actually went through it this year. And I think the analogy that we just had with the horses and everything, sometimes too, uh, even if you have that trust with that horse, if it's hurt, it might react differently. And I think that's what's super complicated is when we have a student where no matter what we try, even with the trust, they're going through something bigger than all of that. And that's what's difficult. So that's what I struggled with this year, where everything I've been teaching for 15 years, and usually I can build that trust, and usually I can build that environment where they want to come in. But some of them were too hurt. Some of them, it was too deep, and they needed more than what I could give them. And what I appreciated this year is the fact that I've been doing this for 15 years, gave me the confidence to ask for help and to to know that that student needed more than what I could give them and to go to my principal and to go to the specialists and say, I need help because this goes beyond what I can do and to accept that this did not make me a bad teacher mm-hmm. is just something the students, like I needed more than I could give them. That is such an incredible add-on to our analogy of kids and horses because it's so true. I mean, we are animals, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it only makes sense that, that that would also apply to our students. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And uh, so Sarah, how about you? I mean, as like a newer teacher, I feel like I, that's always been on the back of my mind. Definitely the books, the blogs, the articles, but it, um, this year we, we in particular had a pretty, um, challenging group of kids. I think that saying like that some of them came in pretty hurt. Um, like I can definitely see that in a lot of the kids that, that we have. And, um, we, um, thought outside the box for them, you know, like we were blessed with having like a block schedule and a principal who um, said, yeah, try it. You know, like they weren't traditional, they didn't do very well in like some traditional settings. So um, we changed up the schedule for them and put in movement for them. We built an advisory so we can talk to them just to kind of know what's going on. Um, Because if you're not, working through like those basics, like, like safety and, um, like those things, like they're not going to be learning. So we were trying to really build in that to kind of heat off some of the, the be like the, the behaviors and those things. How have the behaviors changed in your classroom with you being so responsive? One of the things that we noticed was kids were always wanting to take breaks. Like, Oh, I need a break. I need to get out of here. Oh, I need this. I need that. And, um, it's subsided so much, like just put it building in those movement breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other things that happened was like, like they're not very nice to each other. Like we have some mean girl class with our small group, but um, the movement breaks and just allowing them to play. Like, I mean, like they're sixth graders, but they still played and their connectedness in their relationship with each other has changed so much because like, they just have fun together and it's not all um, just focused on the learning and the um, our connectedness are the teachers with the advisory would just sit down and asking them like, tell me about your family. Tell me about how far you've been, or just, you know, talk to me about things like that's kind of opened them up to us quite a bit. So I feel like that, that trust is really there. And it's a little bit easier to say like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like you change your behaviors for me. Let's move on. And like, they're, the kids are a lot more responsive to that because 
like we've created that like connection between all of us instead of you know just kind of telling them what to do like mm-hmm. it's kind of like that trust factor in that relationship alexander do you have anything to add to that i actually think nothing has changed i know that sounds super negative but the behavior is still there it's still present but what has changed is the teamwork that i see between the teachers and the team and i think um the 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 students that we have that are hurt right now and are reacting to things that are outside of our control, they're getting the help, but it's going to take a long time. They're still showing up in the classroom and the other teachers are still working together and we're still there. So I know that even though the situation is still there, it's still tough. Uh, We get into the teacher's lounge and everybody's together supporting each other and everybody's working as a team. So no, I haven't seen that this has changed everything because these students are still reacting. Some of them are sometimes not showing up, then they show up, they're disruptive, they're reacting, but there's a team behind it. And I, it has changed something for me because now I don't go into the classroom as scared of like not knowing what to do. I know what to do. There's a system in place. We know who's gonna take over. We know uh, who's gonna give like help to this student when I can't. So hopefully at least those students are getting the message that we're there and we're showing up every single day, even though they're reacting that way and they're getting that constant. So yeah, and for both of you, this has to be such a powerful piece of the puzzle for you as not just teachers, but as humans, because it's so easy. And I know myself with my teacher, with my students past behaviors, I would take it personally. And mm-hmm. if I didn't have that, support system in place for that for that student it was really easy for me to say you know he's challenging my authority or she's just so disrespectful and and to, to and why isn't she respecting me what is it that i'm doing wrong or you know it it kind of puts that responsibility on everybody and that effectiveness on everybody and that way if they're still not responding it's not all on you it's it's okay we need to come back together as a team or he just needs more time or you know how how has that uh helped you um with with that um with that feeling of gosh i'm just not enough or i'm just a terrible teacher or nobody care you know that apathy they just don't care about me how do you how do you keep yourself from feeling those negative feelings well you kind of focus on the fact that it's like a, to to raise a kid it takes a village that's what they say um and basically i have my village so i have to stop thinking i can do everything on my own and sometimes you need that village we even have the parents on our side and working with us and collaborating so how amazing that those kids that i have that are reacting have all these people caring for them so it helps not feeling like it's all your fault although the little voice comes back every once in a while but once you sit in the staff room and you talk with other teachers and you see what they're trying and you try something else and you keep moving you keep trying something you don't feel like it's all your fault Mm -hmm. i love that perspective i i could have used that pep talk a couple (laughs) of times in my career because i did i i just wore it all on my shoulders and thought they're my student they're my responsibility this is my this is my weight to carry. And that was such a lie. That was such a lie. So what about you, Sarah? Um, I think definitely that community is so helpful, you know, and I, um, I appreciate you saying like, 
knowing that it's it's not all you like it takes a village because I think that that's kind of we become reclusive and just kind of bear it all. Um, and I think part of that comes down to like not a lot of people in the rough days, <laughs> you know, like we mm-hmm. see the nice pictures on Pinterest and you know the the pretty Instagram photos and you know everybody has those days and and if you don't know how to handle a situation it's okay that's you're doing the best with what you have at that moment Mm -hmm. and somebody else probably has you know like another perspective or something because it's hard when you're in the trenches with that kid all the time and you're like I don't know I've tried everything and you think that you have but sometimes just hearing it from another perspective you're like oh maybe that would work or maybe it is this so um like having a village has been super, super helpful. That's a, another perfect lead into my next question. So what specific resources or mentors or people, podcasts, um, articles, books, what is it that you have brought into your life to help you with this transition into really becoming a support system for these students rather than becoming, you know, punitive and, you know, becoming negative towards that, that kiddo? I can't think of a book or anything like specific right now, but one strategy I really like to use is to actually uh, send what I call positive email home. So I try to, when I'm having a rough time and it's been a couple of days where, you know, I keep seeing things negatively, I try to focus on what went well and I write home and I email the parents telling them, you know, how their kid is doing this and that and it helps me to focus on what went right because often we'll have that one incident it lasts in 10 minutes with this kid like you know misbehaving or whatever and then we think our entire day was awful Mm -hmm. and it's not like every there, there were a lot of other things to focus on so sometimes when I find myself getting into that negative loop that's what I'll do I'll sit and I'll find for I'll sit and look at my schedule and look at each group and at least send one email per group of one thing that went well and one student that you know I reached out to and that really helps me I love that you brought that up Alexandra because that reminds me of the interview that I had with James fester about supporting his wife they both work in education and it's so easy to focus on those negative things that went wrong even if it was just one instance and so really changing our language and our focus can really do a lot to change our perspective and our disposition um, in that classroom and then of course when we go home and we're talking to really focus on those positive things as well. Because for all of you burned and over it teachers out there, those teachers that are negative and apathetic towards their students' behavior and their parents' behavior, and you know maybe your administrator or your, or your coworkers, really changing your language and focusing on those, even those little things that were positive can make a huge difference in your relationships. And it can make and a difference with the, the students that you're writing about as well oh Um, yeah such an impact on some of the students you know that kid that gets to you where you're you're Mm -hmm. always like expecting the kid to do something wrong and then you focus on trying to catch something good out of that student and then you email home after emailing 15 times negatively the last couple of weeks it really changes your relationship with that student it really focus focuses things Mm -hmm. differently yeah so true. Our principal actually had positive phone calls home at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, I was re- listening to your conversation, and that was something that um, our our administrators like 
mandated us to do. So like first contact home of the year was something positive. So it's not um, something negative. And it was um, the previous year we did it and it was mid-year. And um, I remember making a phone call and like the parents, like they knew the number on the caller ID. And there was like, oh, what did he do now? <laughs> I was like, no, I just wanted to tell you something great that he did. And they're like, are you kidding? You know, so it really changed. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it really changed like like our relationship with the parents, but also like the kids, like, cause they went home and they're like, so my mom got an email from you today. I'm like, yeah, what was it about? I don't know, something good, you know, and like, <laughs> um, and, you know, I really changed that. And I'm thinking about, like, kind of where our building is right now. And I feel like that might be a really good thing to start over again is that positive contact. Mm-hmm. Um, when, and when I was really struggling with, like, management or what I should do in classrooms or situations, I, I kind of overloaded myself with, like, a bunch of, like, other scenarios. Like, a couple years ago, I subscribed to, like, this blog that, like, once a week, they send out a classroom management tip or something to think about you know, just to kind of keep fresh on ideas and not getting stuck in a rut or um, like different podcasts or um, I just finished Angela Stockman's Compassionate Classroom, like mm-hmm. trying to keep up on some reasons just to kind of keep things like not stuck in a rut, mm-hmm. you know, like just keep doing the same thing over and over um, because the kids are so different. Like you like, you know, what works for one kid won't work for another. Mm-mm. But, um, and I found, like, observing in other people's classrooms, too. Like, being open to, like, um, asking the instructional coach to come in and saying, like, I don't know what else to do. Can can you try it? And can I see how you would manage it? Or, um, you know, being open with, like, fellow teachers and being like, I'm having a rough class. Do you have a rough class that I can watch, too, mm-hmm. so I can pick up some tips? You know, I think sometimes seeing it in action um, is super cool mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that one kid will behave like three different kids depending yeah. on the teacher okay. that they're interacting with? You'll have meetings and a teacher oh, yeah. will talk about a kid and you'll be, what? He's an angel in my class. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, something yeah. else in a different class that happens all the time. Sometimes it has to do with the teacher, but it also has to do, we, we can't take all the responsibility. Sometimes it has to do with the subject matter. I teach a technology class to little geeks who love to do robotics. I never have misbehavior from them, mm-hmm. yet they sit in their French class and are little demons. And <laughs> they're not the same kids, but it depends also. And I don't think I'm a better teacher than the, the French teacher. That's not the point. It's like, is the subject matter, is, is it something that gets to them or not? So there's a lot to take into. We, we always put the load on our shoulders, but it's not always us. Right. Exactly. We're not dealing with inanimate objects. So it's hard. Yeah. And, and depending on the time of day, you know, at totally. the first period of the day versus right after lunch, you know, Friday um, afternoon versus Monday morning. Right. We all have our peak performance. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. Well, ladies, is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experiences with classroom management or any ideas that you have that you'd like to share with the Bird Did Teacher listeners today? 
Well, I just like to say to any teacher that's struggling, like keep going. It's, it's one year, one group, one student. There will be lots and lots of other students. Sometimes we do our best and sometimes it doesn't work. And it's not the end of the world because the bell rings and we start over. That's the beauty of our job. The bell rings and we get the try again. That's right. We get a new chance every day. Totally. I guess one of the things that I keep going back to is the idea that like you're doing the best with what you have at that moment in time, you know, and I think that we forget that like, oh, I should have said this or that could have been better. But in that moment in time, that's just, that's where you're at and that's okay. And it's okay to recognize that. And it's, it's always 1% better the next time. Like that's all you can ask for. So, right. I think there's power in apologizing too, you know, it's, you know, students understand the power of I'm sorry. And I think that builds a lot of trust and respect and uh, it humanizes us, you know, rather than being a teacher and a student, it's, you know, saying sometimes, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't give you the attention that you needed. I'm sorry that I said this this way, you know, um, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for you when, when you needed me, you know, that, that sort of, that can build that relationship too. You know, the idea that, oh, my teacher makes mistakes and he or she owns up to them. That's really powerful as well. Thank you so much for joining the Burn to Teacher podcast talk about classroom management today. I really appreciate your time and I'll see you in the Facebook group. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. So I don't know about you, but listening to their advice and their experiences and our conversation, there were so many takeaways that I've decided to break them into a couple of parts. The first part is going to be it is, it isn't. And the second part is going to be a burned in dare. I've got several things that I'm going to challenge you to try with your students this week. And I can't think of a more perfect time of year to start to relate and get to know your students even better than you've known them throughout the year. It can be a really great way to end the year on a very high note. So appropriately, the it is list is pretty long. And what I challenge you to do with this list is pick out three or four of your favorite ideas that maybe are making you have an aha moment and try them out and let me know on any social media platform at Burned In Teacher, please tag me, or you can email me and let me know how things are going as well. I'm so curious to hear how your thinking has changed about classroom or behavior management. Okay, let's get started. So behavior or classroom management. Here's what it is. Routines and planning. It's how you set up your class so it functions properly. It's co-regulating. It is the environment and how you make students feel and how we feel together. It is creating a compassionate learning environment together. It's knowing your kids and creating a connection. It's all about adaptation. It's about having proactive behaviors rather than reactive It's them knowing, liking, and trusting you, and it is you building that trust. It's thinking outside the box for them. It's trying new things that you haven't tried before. It's allowing for movement breaks and for some play. Yes, even the older kids. It's asking for help and knowing that some students need more than what we can do ourselves. It's going to the principal and or your counselor for extra support. And if they aren't helping you, it's going to someone else. It's knowing that it truly takes a village. It's trying to get parents on board. It's remembering that there are things that are out of your control. It's going back to that serenity prayer. It's doing the best with what you have in that moment. It's remembering that time of day and subjects of interest or lack of interest can play a part in behavior too. 
It's remembering that you get a chance to start over every day or every time the bell rings. It's believing that you're doing the best you can in the moment with what you have. It's apologizing when you make a mistake. It's offering some students more support, some students more stimulation, and some students more of a challenge when they need it. It's meeting students where they are so that we aren't reactive because when we're reactive, students react and there's a chain of negativity. It's understanding that if you have a student who's hurt, that that's what makes it really hard. It's believing, however, that if students are too hurt and that hurt is too deep and they need more than what we can sometimes give them, that we need to believe that we can find the help that they need. Okay, now it's time for what classroom or behavior management isn't. It actually isn't behavior management because you truly cannot manage other people's behavior or choices. It isn't only your responsibility. It isn't treating all classes and students the same. It isn't expecting children to act like adults. It isn't taking their behavior personally. It isn't telling yourself that it's all about you and your authority. It isn't believing that you don't matter. It isn't believing that you aren't enough. It isn't becoming reclusive and trying to bear it all on your own. It isn't quitting on yourself or your students. It isn't quiet where the students are always listening to the teacher all the time. And again, it isn't managing anyone. You can't make anyone do anything. If you're seeing no changes as you really try to implement these beliefs into your classroom, here are a couple of things to think about. Number one, how can teachers work together? How can you bring other people on this team of support for these students in your classroom who are just really challenging you and all of these procedures and practices and routines that you're trying to put into your classroom? The second thing is, Believing and knowing that it will take longer to see results from some students who are really hurting or really struggling with routines and procedures and expectations. And really focusing, the third thing is really focusing on how teachers can work as a team. Okay, like I said earlier, it isn't you bearing all of this all on your own. And the fourth thing is focusing on a system and who can give help to the students when you can't. So what type of system do you have? What type of chain of command do you have where you can ask for support if things aren't going so well one day? So here's your burned in dare, all right? I dare you to make some positive phone calls. I dare you to focus on the positive and look for the positive, even though it's so hard sometimes to not just focus on the negative. I dare you to email your group of teachers about something positive that happened with that student that's been challenging you or all of the teachers. I dare you to subscribe to blogs that can send you ideas on classroom management. I dare you to observe in other classrooms or invite someone else to come and observe yours. I dare you to have someone come in to watch you and to see you in action and to see the students in action. It's extremely helpful. So I'm leaving you with a lot of things to try out today, a lot of mindset changes and a lot of ways for you to decide how you can change your behavior and therefore influencing different types of behavior in your classroom. Until next week, I wish you a career and a life full of happiness and fulfillment. You just took another step to become a burned-in teacher. Burn on.